passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. It's a post-wrestling news update. I'm John Pollock, along with Wei Ting, and we're going to be going through New Year Dash with some of our thoughts coming out of uh, this morning's show, as well as the raw numbers for Legends Night. How are you, Wei? Pretty good, John. Yourself? I am doing well. We are now three shows in three days from New Japan, and they are coming out of a New Year Dash, where today they ran a card at Tokyo Dome City Hall, and I think before we go into the actual show itself with uh, just the results and some of our thoughts, I think it's very important to note that uh, Wednesday, it was reported that there were over 1,500 new COVID cases in Tokyo, and it seems that, uh, you know, I I think it's definitely worth bringing up now at at this point as numbers are increasing, uh, and this may be something that is taken out of New Japan's control, like the decision to be going ahead with this next tour of of allowing fans, especially in Tokyo and and where numbers are increasing at the highest rate. And again, this might be something where there are restrictions put in place where that's a decision made for them. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's certainly like the numbers are going in one direction, especially in Tokyo. Yeah. Uh, you know, earlier this year, I mean, New Japan was one of the, the companies who was really, I would say, more more patient than several others. I mean, in fact, like, I remember just that quote from Tanahashi saying like, Something to the effect of like, we'll come back when the time is right, when things are safe. And, you know, obviously things are not uh, nearly, you know, uh, where they were at that point. So um, it's, you know, at at this point, it's what's a company to do, I suppose. Um, I'm sure, you know, these decisions are going to be made for them if they don't make it themselves. They did announce uh, an attendance of 1,019 uh, for this show. So we're not going to do like a big uh, review of the show, but just kind of go through uh, the results, uh, angles coming out of the show, and some future directions as well. So it kicked off with uh, Yuji Nagata defeating Gabriel Kidd in eight minutes. And I, I thought this was just like a nice opener. Uh, Gabriel Kidd got to showcase a-, a lot of fire before he was put down with the Exploder and Nagata lock. And then putting a lot of focus on Kidd after the match as he was conveying that frustration coming up short against Yuji Nagata. A solid young line opener. Uh, Kidd always delivers. This was uh, the-, the lone singles match on the card. That's right. Uh, they announced all the matches at the beginning of the show, as per usual. We had uh, Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton on the call, and they noted that uh, Rocky Romero would not be joining them because he had to wait to find out his assignment, and he would be working the main event. So a two-man booth for today's show. Minoru Suzuki and Doki over Tiger Mask and Yuya Uemura in 10 minutes and 45 seconds. I loved the interaction between Suzuki and Uemura throughout this. I, I would love to see a a singles match between these two at, at some later date. Um, they gave Yui Mura a good amount here uh, before Suzuki uh, 
used a Boston Crab on him, and then Uemura got several covers on Suzuki uh, before being hit with the rear naked choke into the gotch pile driver. But uh, that that was the combination I thought really stood out in this uh, match. It really was the main story of this match. I mean, from the moment that the bell rang, it was Uemura who was signaling to Suzuki, and it seemed to be a continuation of a prior interaction the two had uh, in a previous match. So. Uh, really fun seeing Suzuki beat up Young Lions, and uh, maybe they'll build to something, or maybe this will just kind of be an infrequent, you know, um, relationship that these two will have. Yeah, and will be interesting to see if Suzuki follows this trend of, you know, Suzuki Gun certainly coming out of this show feel like they are more of a babyface faction, given where the two respective heavyweight and junior heavyweight tag teams are being positioned in those divisions. Mm-hmm. Will Osprey, Jeff Cobb, and the Great Okan over Satoshi Kojima, Hiroyoshi Tenzan, and Yota Suji. A lot to note in this match. Forget the the angle shot, the promos, the headline. The Great Okan got rid of the goofy pants. He was in regular trunks with his white glove. A vast improvement. Yeah, I guess so. I guess um, that was the big takeaway from Wrestle Kingdom. Get rid you know, of he pants. took he took our advice, got rid of the the goofy looking pants. I think that's a, a step in the right direction. Uh, so everyone kind of paired off at, at different points in this match. It was kind of Osprey with Kojima, Cobb with Suji, and the Great Okan with Tenzon. And it ended after Jeff Cobb avoided a 3D from Kojima and Tenzon, and then they triple teamed Yota Suji as Okan and Cobb lifted him up. For a os cutter by Will off the top turnbuckle, and they pinned uh, Cobb pinned Suji in nine fifty five. They continued the beatdown on Suji, and then the Great Okan lifted up Tenzon to hit the Tenzon Tombstone Driver onto the man himself. Kojima is trying to cover his longtime partner, and they have Osprey hit Kojima with the hidden blade. And then a huge stretcher job taking Tenzon out. I would say this was like the most significant angle on the show with Tenzon being taken out and Osprey cutting a promo that they are now the United Empire. They will take over in 2021 and they are not going to be deterred by their performances at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, I don't know if the Empire was just like the Empire name itself might be tough to trademark, but it is now, I believe, officially the United Empire. They've got a new hand sign, so really working on the branding for 2021. It was a good promo from Osprey. You know, he's got, I would say, pretty good heavyweight heel charisma, and it's 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 been fun to watch. And then the best part was he goes up to Kevin Kelly and... It's like cutting a promo on Kevin Kelly. And then <laughs> it's, he's speaking in English to Kevin Kelly. And he looks to Chris and says, translate that. And they're both like, dude, you just said this in English. There's no <laughs> translation necessary. And he just awkwardly left. I thought this was like <laughs> the most comical moment of the entire show. Well, he wanted him to translate it to, back to Japanese. Who do you think's listening to this? For the English-speaking audience. Well, he just wants to make him work. Okay, well, it was uh, both were just like, hey, man, I think you did a great job yourself of explaining that to our English-speaking audience. So there you go, big angle, uh, and I guess we'll, we'll probably get, I, I could see like three singles matches at various points between uh, the respective members. Sure. The Gorillas of Destiny, Taiji Ishimori, 
And El Fantasmo uh, took on Zack Sabre Jr., Taichi, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and El Desperado. Again, we got the the hot tag spot from Zack Sabre Jr., very much pushing the fact that Sabre and Taichi will be going for a rematch with the Gorillas of Destiny. And it ended with uh, El Fantasmo in there with Kanemaru. Uh, the whiskey bottle was uh, thwarted, and then it ended with Fantasmo landing a super kick. And they were putting this super kick over as devastating as it kept Kanemaru down 11 minutes, 35 seconds. El Fantasmo kissed his boot. Kanemaru was just dead on the floor from this super kick and then was selling it big with like the ice pack on the jaw. Like this is the super kick of death. And then uh, it was uh, Taijishimori using La Mystica on Desperado. They grabbed the junior heavyweight tag title. So setting up uh, those two going for the champions in Kanemaru and El Desperado. Yeah, they're teasing that it's some sort of loaded boot gimmick. Taichi also is still very distraught that he has not recaptured the Iron Fingers from G.O.D. So, uh, you know, as you mentioned, Suzuki-Gun are continuing their run as babyfaces, at least these four. And, you know, obviously, it's not just Tai Chi and Zach, but Desperado as well, coming off of that Best of the Super Juniors match. And you throw in Minoru Suzuki, really, they're already kind of an L.I.J. type of babyface team already. It's just that they're wrestling like it now in the matches. Yeah, so those uh, two clear directions uh, we saw... Kazuchika Okada, Tomohiro Ishii, Hiroki Goto, Toriyano, and Yoshihashi of Chaos took on the Bullet Club's Jay White, Evil, Bad Luck Fale, Chase Owens, and Yujiro. And for those that uh, did not hear any of our post shows, uh, do you want to just quickly recap uh, kind of Jay White's uh, post show press conference and the story going into this match w- involving him? Yeah, he had a whole like, you know, 10 minute spiel in the post fight press conference where he basically said that he's, you know, spent eight years now in this company, uh, sacrificing time away from his family and, uh, for what, you know, he basically had a big kind of, a uh, just reflective moment here where he basically said after new year dash, he was done. He's done with new Japan and seemingly done with professional wrestling in general. So, uh, just something to tee up. I believe a leave of absence for Jay White. I really like this, this, not just angle, but this entire, uh, philosophy that they have in that they have built up that the most prestigious victory you can achieve in New Japan is winning at the Tokyo Dome in the main event. And the flip side of that is that the greatest devastation a performer can incur is a loss in the main event. And you go back to examples of Okada in 2015, where he's reduced to tears after losing to Tanahashi. Uh, Kenny Omega in 2017, which they brought up here when he was teasing, walking away. Uh, Naito's failures in 2014 and 2018. And building upon that is Jay White. Like, I really like when you can take losses and they become significant obstacles to overcome. Like, the, the greatness of victory is also comes with like this devastation of defeat that makes your your win and loss in the biggest match of the year that much more important. Totally agree. Yeah. I mean, after losing the championship finals of whatever sport that you're doing, it's like you got to sell that defeat. And, you know, whatever reason why Jay White might be taking a leave of absence, it, it, it plays well into the loser kind of taking it seriously and selling that defeat like it's a, something really special. 
they had the heat on Okada for from the start for almost like the first 10 minutes of the match until Ishii was finally in. Uh, White's got his upper back and neck all taped up, selling the effects of the Ibushi match. Ishii used the Ibushi power slam on Jay White. And then uh, the end comes when the Blade Runner gets countered by Ishii, who hits a brain buster, and Jay White takes the fall in 13 minutes and 47 seconds, continuing his his uh, downward uh, trajectory after this loss to Kota Ibushi. Yeah, losing to a guy who wasn't even on um, any of the cards outside of the Rumble, outside of the ma- uh, any of the matches outside of the Rumble. But of course, it does kind of continue the trend of Ishii besting Jay White coming off of that G1 spoil- spoiled win. And the main event, Kota Ibushi, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Sho, Rocky Romero, and Master Wato against Tetsuya Naito, Hiromu Takahashi, Shingo Takagi, Sonata, and Bushi. Just a uh, an all-star lineup of talent in this one. And again, we, we paired off uh, a lot of the key names in this. It was, of course, Ibushi and Sonata, which we have set up as the... The, the next challenger for Abushi, but then also it looks like a show is going to be paired with Hiromu and a very interesting pairing, Shingo and Tanahashi. I love it. It's fresh. It's exciting. Um, it's a big role for Tanahashi and just the mix of styles, I think presents something really interesting with Shingo's very hard hitting, stiff looking offense and Tanahashi's ability to sell any of any of that. Um, I'm really looking forward to that one. Yeah, so th- those pairings were the backdrop for the whole match. You know, fun 10-man tag that they had here in establishing those those, those directions. At one point, LIJ was destroying Master Wato until Tanahashi and Ibushi saved. Uh, but eventually, uh, Bushi was left alone with Master Wato, hit the MX, and Bushi uh, scored the fall at 17 minutes and 24 seconds. And we got promos afterwards uh, with Bushi stating him and Naito don't have any plans coming out of this show. So... He's fine, just beating up Master Wato again. And backstage, we got uh, promos from uh, Hiromu, from Shingo, and just uh, identifying where they would be going next with uh, you know Shingo and Tanahashi and Hiromu with Shotanaka. And that that was the show, like a pretty easy to watch two and a half hours. Numerous angles uh, coming out of this, the injury angle with, with Tenzon and where they head uh, in the immediate future. Also, question marks, too, like Naito, nothing earmarked for him, uh, what they do with with Jay White. Uh, So also some questions as well as directions that we had. Yeah, I wouldn't really say this was a show you'd need to watch at all. I mean, it's a show where you probably got enough out of just reading results or at least knowing where all the directions were coming out of it. Um, it, It was was a show that was, like, fine, easy to watch in the background, I suppose, but... um, if you are limited for time, you could skip this one. That's why you have us here to quickly recap it for those uh, without the time to sit down for two and a half hours. So with New Japan now, they are set to resume their their touring on January 17th. So a week from Sunday with the road to New Beginning, their next major show is the New Beginning in Nagoya on January 30th. And then they've got the two cards uh, in Hiroshima February 10th and 11th. So that's what the schedule looks like. Uh, but of course, pending any possible restrictions or issues that, you know, it's it's a day-by-day thing. And I, I guess everything you have to look at. The idea of running Tokyo uh, next Sunday, uh, that, that might not be possible. So we'll have to follow that. I imagine, I mean, much like um, the case with Wrestle Kingdom, I believe the plan was to run an empty arena anyway. So... 
I, I would imagine that they would still continue to do shows that were previously booked for, you know, TV for world, but whether or not fans can attend, I, I suppose that's a day by day thing. Yeah. All right. Let's quickly take a look at the raw numbers from Monday. So legends night, uh, it did very well by the current standards for raw. They ended up topping 2 million viewers. They did 2,128,000 viewers, which I, I would say would be, um, Slightly above expectations. I, I thought they would top two million, certainly for the first hour. I wasn't so sure about two and three, but they they did for all three hours. They were uh, they did a point six eight in the in the demo. So w- without football competition, um, they were number one for the evening on cable. Uh, this would be their highest viewership since all the way back in March for the first week of the empty arena shows, which featured uh, Steve Austin on three sixteen day. Uh, Demo-wise, their highest since the night after WrestleMania. So this was ahead of the draft, ahead of that first week in the Thunderdome. However, if you look at the last time they loaded up a show for the Raw reunion, uh, you go back to the summer of 2019. And granted, that had more marquee names attached to it. But, I mean, that one did over 3 million viewers. 1.14 in the key demo. So I still maintain that, yes, this will give you that that boost for whatever your... Uh, averages at the time but i think long term when you're looking at this idea of the raw reunion concept i do think it's still diminishing returns that it's going to mean less and less each time out seems to just be able to you know amplify whatever rating that you're currently riding at the moment and um and what you do with that show like it's great to boost it up one week um next week Number one, they're going against a massive college football game, so they're going to be hit regardless. But I also can't say that, you know, like we saw with AEW, the introduction of Sting, that was the big Winter is Coming show. They actually did a better number the following week uh, because I think there was a lot of buzz coming out of that show. Uh, With Monday, the only buzz you could attach to would be if you were, you know, captured by that closing minute or two with Bill Goldberg. The rest of it, I, I can't say there's any buzz throughout the body of the show. That's going to uh, lead to any kind of uh, uh, retaining any people that might have been tuning in. Well, I do feel like, you know, branding a show, a certain theme as, you know, the tactic we've seen with both NXT and and AEW, I think that is helpful. It's certainly better than not announcing anything for Raw the the week prior. So it's a lesson that kind of continues to, like, be taught, yet for whatever reason, Raw never seems to take full advantage of just at least promoting and giving you something to look forward to for a week or two weeks in advance. Uh, that's just, a, you know, something I, I'd love to see them continue. It was interesting looking at, at some of the demo figures. Uh, women were up big this week. Uh, women 12 to 34 were up 47%. Women 18 to 49 up 40 uh, but then when you look at how they perform throughout the show, this part was interesting. For the female demos... Like they largely their drop was more so hour one to hour two and then either stayed consistent in hour three or had a very small drop with the male audience. uh, They they saw um, a big increase from hour two to hour three, which on the surface, that makes sense to me that hour three this week, which was up in several demos, which is a rarity. But you did have that championship match in the third hour. That makes sense. Adults over 50, though, they saw no change in hour one or two, and then their drop, it was you know almost a 10% drop, was in the third hour. So hard to say what necessarily would have been a turnoff in the third hour, but for some, uh, 
for the for the older audience, they did experience that drop. Interesting. So that is the raw numbers. Uh, this is kind of uh, I think that next week. I think you, you caution in terms of you know how much emphasis you put into this number because next week uh, is going to be the reverse effect. They, you know, they're going to come down from this number and they've got a big football game there against. So I think the drop is going to be even more pronounced. So I think honestly, you should be looking at you know where where things average out in January as you're building up to the Royal Rumble. This is going to be the high point. Next week will probably be the low point of the month, and then things will subside. And I think we'll probably be right back to you know whatever range. Raw is going to end at now that Monday Night Football is done. Any other news? That's about it. Uh, I guess the rest is all the focus on tonight's shows with New Year's Evil and AEW Dynamite, which I think you're going to get four very strong hours of wrestling television tonight. Not to mention MLW is also doing a a big show for them. They're doing their Kings of Coliseum special. So uh, five hours, I guess, if you include MLW in the mix. And, of course, we'll be back with post shows with uh, Rewind of Dynamite for John and myself. Uh, We'll be live for Double Double Plus patrons at 10, 15 p.m. And also up next, we'll have their review of uh, uh, New Year's Evil. And you can stream that live on their Twitch, twitch.tv slash upnextpodcast. Yes. Looking forward to going live tonight. Again, that's for Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso patrons. I thought it went really well on Raw Monday night. I enjoyed doing it live. It's usually fun, always fun with the postmarks in attendance. Uh, So that's coming up tonight. We will be speaking with you in a couple of hours. In the meantime, go check out postwrestling.com and check out the Post Wrestling YouTube. Subscribe. It's a wonderful YouTube page, wouldn't you say? It's pretty good. YouTube.com slash postwrestling, yes. Uh, You can watch our best of show that uh, Chris Tarleton shouted out on today's News Dash. Thank you very much for that, Chris. Uh, You can also watch... Our Christmas show that's up there in its full form. So, yeah, lots of stuff coming out. YouTube.com slash post wrestling. We'll speak with you tonight.